minus one in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's nine o'clock. I'm Megan Cobb. One man is in custody after a shooting in an apartment building in the Beltline this morning. Calgary police say officers were called out to the 100 block of 14th Avenue Southeast just after 1 a.m. When they arrived, they narrowed down their search to a pair of units and several people were found inside one of those apartments, along with evidence that someone had fired shots. Luckily, no one was injured. One man was arrested on outstanding warrants and police say they are not looking for any other suspects. Protests took place downtown again yesterday, but first, 770 CHQR helicopter traffic. I am flying in the southwest looking at downtown Calgary where we have a road closure on 4th Street between 11th Ave and 12th Ave for a crane lift. This is supposed to wrap up until 5 p.m., but you are going to have to detour around it. The savings have sprung during Leon's Spring and On Sale. Shop special prices on furniture, mattresses, appliances, patio furniture, and more. Limited time only. Visit leons.ca for details. From the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Vanessa Arate. A confrontation broke out yesterday between anti-mandate protesters and those opposing the protests. About 2,000 people clogged 17th Avenue when things got a little tense. A woman at the event got video of police pushing back counter-protesters. Police say members tried to work with all parties involved to negotiate peaceful demonstrations, but claimed there was limited cooperation, adding they had to take further action to avoid crowd escalation. In a statement to Global News, police say the demonstrations occurred over several hours and individual photos and short videos don't show the full picture. Police are investigating the events to see if further action needs to take place. COVID-19 booster shots continue to stay on the shelves in pharmacies across Alberta. About 45% of Albertans 18 and up have gotten a third shot, which is about 10 points lower than the national average. Infectious disease expert Dr. Lenora Saxinger says third doses have done a lot of, in the protection during the Omicron wave. Omicron is, is harder to prevent. Um, it's much more transmissible and you need more antibodies to protect yourself. So the difference between you know, a second dose and third dose is huge, um, both in terms of preventing infection, but even more importantly, preventing hospitalizations. Dr. Saxinger says the messaging around boosters and its benefits needs to be more direct. Russian forces attacked a military training base in western Ukraine near the border with Poland, killing 35 people and wounding 134. The governor of Ukraine's western Lviv region says more than 30 Russian cruise missiles targeted the sprawling training facility. Global's Mike Armstrong is on the ground near where the attacks happened and has more on Canada's ties to the base. This was one of the bases Canadians had been working out of as part of the training operation Op Unifier. Canadian soldiers helped set up the training facility in 2015. Just two years ago, it was visited by Canada's foreign affairs minister at the time. Canadian troops pulled out of Ukraine in January. In recent weeks, it's believed the base became the first stop for foreign fighters arriving. It was a place for them to at least get some information and for the Ukrainian military to decide where to deploy them. We met an American yesterday who said he expected that base to be hit, that its new vocation absolutely would have made it a target. Mike Armstrong, Global News, Lviv, Ukraine. Taking a look at sports, the Flames beat the Red Wings 3-0 last night, bringing the team to 16 wins in 19 games. Jacob Markstrom made 19 saves in his ninth shutout of the season, and Elias Lindholm scored his team-leading 30th goal. The Flames are in Colorado to take on the Avalanche tonight at 6.
Global news sky tracker weather, a 30% chance of flurries today, reaching a high of 2 degrees. Mainly cloudy and minus 2 overnight. Clearing tomorrow, climbing to a high of 11 and a mix of sun and cloud and 12 degrees on Tuesday. It's minus 1 at 9.04. Breaking news when it happens. Our next update at 9.30. I'm Megan Cobb. Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. Here we are, March 13th, another week until the first day of spring. And actually, we're going to be on the, on the air in the first day of spring, so that'll be next Sunday. So exciting times in the, in the gardening world as we're creeping towards springtime, which is something we're all looking forward to as it's a great day yesterday. Again, sunny. Those days just feel so good, and it actually warmed up quite a bit more. Than what they were talking about, so it was kind of nice. And then today, it's about high of four or five degrees, but probably go a little higher if the sun's able to creep out. It always seems to warm up a little bit more, which is great. Um, and one thing, uh, as the as we head into gardening season, we get into the highlight of the hockey. Gotta gotta admit, enjoying the flames right now. So I watch a little of that too, which is lots of fun. So um, it's nice to. We're getting back to all these good normal things, um, going to hockey games, outside gardening, doing all that fun stuff. So uh, look forward to it. One thing you should be doing right now is uh, if you're looking at growing any seeds, indoor bulbs, stuff like that, um, ensuring that you're getting out there, getting your supply. There is still, the supply is pretty good of seed. We were a little bit short, um, getting some big orders coming in this week. Um, this logistics has been a bit of a challenge on some stuff. So we are uh, getting everything filled up again this week. We have some big orders coming in. Received all our spring bulbs last week. So um, that's like your dahlias, begonias, all that kind of stuff. So you can start a lot of those things now and, uh, and get those going for spring, which is which is great. Also really important, look out at your trees, shrubs. Look for any dead, damaged, disease, and like I was mentioned before too, if you have those sunny locations and all the snow's melted, and you still have a bunch of snow in other parts of the yard, if you feel up to it for something to do, um, grab the wheelbarrow out, fill up a wheelbarrow with snow, and take it over to some of those warmer spots, and uh, and put it in. But also, though, that's a good idea where to market for next fall, if you want to do any fall bulbs and things like that. So feel free to to look at doing all that kind of fun stuff and if you'd like to join me phone lines are going to be wide open and you can call me at 403-974-8255 and already got a quick text and that is the text and and call in um and we are actually just got a text reminding us yes <coughs> we are at the end of the elm pruning season at the end of this month so it's uh if you have any of that i know mark and other arborists are burning people in burning booking people in like crazy right now so trying to squeeze some of those in some of them will definitely will try to get your priority and uh and get that uh in there for you as well hey merle you got a a text from another fellow arborist in our city. 
Hey, Merle, I have this stupid pantry. I'm an arborist. Is it okay if I shove some fertilizer in or what the heck do I do with this thing? Um, palms, absolutely, they love, they actually can be a fairly heavy feeder. They don't have a huge root system. And you'll see that sometimes you'll see if you're on YouTube or something, if you Google or transplant a palm or if you happen to be down in Florida or Mexico or something, you'll see a, a palm tree hanging off the back of a excavator or the back of a truck. It thing could be 15 feet high, and it just has a root ball the size of like a, a big potato sack or something. So fairly small root balls on them. A great fertilizer form is just the 202020 because you don't want to they, – they don't need bloom fertilizer. They don't need anything else. Just a good all-purpose um, 2020 will be perfect for your palm. It looks like it's pretty healthy, so you're doing a good job, and you're always going to get brown tips on it. And that's just Calgary because it's so dry. So you're going to get some of that. The only thing, Brett, is when you do fertilize, ensure that you water it really well first, and and then um, fertilize once it's been watered. So put that looks like it's it's big or small enough or big enough where you're able to put it into a sink or something water it thoroughly so water comes out the bottom and then after that um get out the fertilizer and then give it a shot of fertilizer from the top 202020 if you do that once a month or every 3 weeks something like that it just it really makes a big difference if you get your plants onto a ready regular feeding schedule they definitely make um it makes a big difference in in how the growth and things like that. It's uh, it's good. It's just just like us. You need to you need to eat regularly. Good good quality trace elements. And I was talking with Chris yesterday in the greenhouse, and then uh, we 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 get all kinds of um, different people or different things and. Um, there's so many different methods of fertilizing your plants and things like that. Um, so it's hard, right? Like, so we we're, we are we do have a few. We really like the Rage Plus. It's an organic. Um, it has the back guano, seaweed, all that fun stuff in there. Um, then we have our our regular fertilizers like the Green It Up um, 20, 20, 20, 10, 52, 10, 15, 30, 15. So if you're starting with your basics and you start with a good potting soil, get yourself a good quality fertilizer, and and those are going to create those successes for you. So then you're going to have a good gardening season. And uh, so and a lot of it is water, feed, food, and light. So if we stick to a lot of the basics, um, you're going to be good to go. Okay, got another text here. Good morning. On the front of the ProMix seed starting mite, it indicates that it feeds for three months. Everyone here talks about fertilizing seedlings with other products. Um, typically, you don't really need to fertilize your seedlings a whole lot until they get to the three or four sets of, of leaves or when you transplant them, typically. You can use an Evolve product. It's Evolve Seedling Starter. So if you get some of the um, plants that will dampen off, and that's sort of where they come up, and then they just sort of wilt over, um, what it is is this Evolve Seedling Starter. 
it creates a really heavier tissue on the on the main stem and just it really makes a big difference and get those little roots going but it, it is true on the seedling back there is enough nutrients in most of the soils that you're using to get the plant to up until that second or third leaf stage when you transplant and then at that time you want to start your fertilizer program with either a root starter um 10 10 is great rage plus is another great one if you have a good flowering fertilizer that you already have 15 30 15 um those were great for um discontinuing to get your seedlings nice and healthy and a lot of them, so just make sure, like, if you're growing tomatoes, a lot of them, when you do do the first transplant, when you sort of has two or three leaves, and you'll start to see the first leaves come up, they're always sort of round. <coughs> and then, sorry, excuse me. And then when the leaves start to change, they start looking like tomato leaves or marigold leaves or whatever you have. That's typically when you want to do the transplanting. And, and some of them, like a tomato... Um, if you have three sets, you'll want to bury the bottom two sets. So pull them off the main stem, bury it fairly deep. So that enables it to spread out, get those good roots coming off the side. So that's the biggest thing I see when people, they come and they I see, they send me pictures and they have this eight-foot tomato and it's all floppy. Um, typically, if they would have planted it deeper, when you do the couple of those transplanting, you end up with a really super sturdy uh, tomato plant and and things like that but other ones you don't want to do that with like, like begonias or certain ones that you you just you continue to to transplant them at the same level as what they would be normally just at the soil level so anyways you can uh see what you can do there actually that was a uh, an old text from before that not the one i just read but the one she has another one in there so hopefully that clears that up and then brett said Thanks for sending the arborist some love. Well, it, it's something, and we're and Brett. He he texts in a fair bit, which is nice. We we're a business too that we're. It's it's frustrating when you see guys that just grab a pickup truck, and they grab a chainsaw, and they call themselves arborists. They're not arborists. They're not pruning. They're they just go out there and and send a hack and slash. And it, it's just, if you're going to get your trees looked after, you put a big investment. You can't glue those branches back on um, when they're done. The guy might say, oh, I can do it for 100 bucks," but I'd be careful what you're getting. That's all. It, just, it makes it all a big, big difference when you see trees that are pruned properly. And you really shouldn't be able to tell that they're pruned, <laughs> like unless they're really messed before and they've just been tidied up and straightened up. But a good pruned tree should just have nice, healthy structure, removing the crossing branches in between, dead, damage, and disease, things like that. Um, if sometimes if you see something that's totally topped or just round, like that's not proper pruning practices. So um, we definitely try to stay away from that. Um, we do some shaping and things like that for people if they really want it. But if you're trying to train a good um, tree from when you first plant it, it's it's just a couple proper techniques, pruning, thinning out those cross branches, dead damage or disease, and then you're going to be able to get through. And it's amazing the difference um, that your tree will be 
once it gets older, it's going to last longer. If you've topped a tree numerous times, the lifespan of that tree is going to be cut in half. So let's let's ensure our trees get the proper nutrients, proper water, proper pruning and training, get that structure into your trees. Um, call a good certified arborist. Um, we're, we're fairly fortunate in Calgary. We have some good companies um, along with ours as well. Um, and I know uh, Mark, he spends a ton of time just on the training and 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 things that him and Chris Myers um they run he runs our training program in the company and it's it's we have one guy almost dedicated to that like this training safety things to keep the guys going and ensure that we're on top of our game so it's important and uh always learning always willing to look so anyways just it just when i look out and i see trees it just now is the time where we start um to do some of that important pruning on your trees because they're going to start sprouting out things here. And it's, if you could do some good pruning before they, they leaf out, a lot of that energy goes to good new growth in the right direction instead of uh, that stuff that you have to prune out anyways. So let's not waste that energy, get our trees nice and healthy now and uh, you'd be good to go. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open. Uh, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And we do have a couple spots left on the phone line if you want to get in on that, uh, 403-974-8255. I'd be happy to take your calls. Right now we're going to go to Sylvie. Good morning, Sylvie. Hi, uh, Merle. I can't say enough, by the way, about your um, your pruning crew. They uh, they did wonderful work here. Uh, my question Thank today you. is: as soon as the ground gets soft enough to work, uh, we were going to put down um, some Rage Plus, <clears throat> like we do every year. And then yep. I wanted to put mulch in, but I have a lot of small perennials. If I put a layer of mulch on top, mulch on top of that, will they make their way through? Do I have to wait for them to come up before I can lay mulch around? I- it's better if you like if you yeah you don't want to bury them too deep especially on some of the perennials and so you can just go thinner in those areas if you kind of know where they are just spread I'm it out the whole area <laughs> yeah okay yeah. I just want to put it down to keep some of the weeds around and keep the moisture in that's more you know, what if I was you, if, you, if yeah if you have a lot of perennials another way of mulching is something like uh, a really good quality it's called the woodland mix or our green it up um, soil enhancer. You put on a little okay. bit of a thicker layer of that, and it sort of gives you that really nice dark soil look. And but it also works like a mulch. And then when you turn over your soil in the spring, you're kind of mending your soil as you go. So that's another way. Or just use a really fine mulch. It's just harder yeah, I if can't, you get. Uh, sorry. If you get too I, much, I can't you don't turn want to bury over it. the soil. What I usually oh, okay. do is use uh, a tool and turn it, and so yeah. I would lay that woodland um, soil on top of that and just turn it around. Yeah, yeah. You just sort of, yeah. You're sort of like use one of those weasels or whatever they are, the, yeah, or yeah. or a little hole, three prong hoe or something. Right. 
Yeah, I love the little one that looks like a three fingers. You kind of just yeah, pull I have on. I have one of those. So so, how many inches of that uh, woodland? Um, one is, to two inches you could put on top. It's it's actually a it's more of a compost mixture, like it's horse okay. manure mixed with a little bit of soil. So it's just a really good soil amendment. Yeah, but it um, won't dry out. It, it does dry out, but it does hold a lot of moisture. So oh, okay. it's just it's when you deal with perennials or you go the foothills like the foothills premium mix, um, right. the bark mulch, and okay. then just put it in like right when your perennials are starting to come up, and then just put sure. it a little bit thinner where the where the plants are because you'll do your spring cleanup like in the spring when everything starts coming up, yeah. cut everything yeah. back, and then just mulch at that time, and you'll kind okay. you'll know where your plants are, and then just keep it a little bit thinner. Uh, and, an inch, an inch and a half, maybe. Yeah, if you go bark okay. mulch, you can go a couple inches. I can do um, that because it starts decomposing, and then sure. it, and don't don't try to use fabric or anything because it no, no, what it no, does no, is no. okay. Uh, we the did, bark mulch in the beginning. We did we pulled a lot out. Um, yeah, it's but, a pain. Uh, in, the only time yeah, I use so, fabric. No, I'll do that. I'll I'll wait till they come up a little bit, and I'll yep. put some soil enhancer, and then I'll put a little one inch of mulch all the way around. Yep, perfect. And then Great. You, um, Thanks so much, Merle. All right, you're Have welcome. Thanks, Sylvie. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, and I got time to do another call here. We're going to go to Ralph. Good morning, Ralph. Hello? Hi, Ralph. How can I help you? Well, I got a question of worms. I know it's early in the season, and, and I know dew worms aren't good for lawn. Uh, I've got a vegetable garden. Are they okay in a vegetable garden? Well, yeah, I guess the the dewworms are good for lawn, but no one likes them because they, they leave all the lumps, right? Yeah. <laughs> but to be honest, they're good for the soil, right? Because they're in there decomposing, leaving their earthworm casting, like they're they're okay. breaking up the soil somewhat. But what happens is, the typically why you get the um, the dewworms coming to the top is just if you're not watering deep enough, so. Yeah. They they want to come up to so if you're watering only like five or ten minutes at a time and just keeping the top soil moist that'll bring the dewworms up to the top. So what I recommend is for people to water slower and deeper. So water a little more often, maybe like twenty minutes twice a day on the on whenever you do water on your water days instead of just one time. So the water. Um, rolls off and runs away. So water maybe two or three times in one day, the smaller amounts of time. So try and get that water down a little bit deeper, and then the the dewworms will tend to stay down. Yeah. Okay. But um, they're great for the garden. Absolutely. Like it's oh, uh, okay. The more of that you can get in the garden, um, it, it's great, right? Like you you always tell when you have good healthy soil. If you go out there and you dig down and you see some worms. It tend, they do that natural aeration. Yeah. Like I said, they're they're pooping in your soil. They're doing all that good stuff, creating right. that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. So okay. So no, that's good. I always thought that that uh, dewworms. I know they have, they create lumps in the in the lawn, and, and I, well, maybe they're not good for the garden either. I, I don't know. And I I know worms in general. You know, with the poop and stuff, it's it's good. Do they get along with earthworms? I heard somewhere along the line or read. That earthworms and dewworms don't cohabitate very well. Um, I haven't really heard that, um, but oh, I can okay. look it up and maybe see. But I haven't. I've never really heard that. Um, mm. Worms seem to be 
I think they're a little nicer than the ants, eh? I think they get along yeah, a little bit better, sure. but I'm not too sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, okay. Well, it right. turns out I do have lots of dewworms in my vegetable garden. I actually That's perfect. been trying to reduce the amounts just by picking them up and chucking them in the alley and having them food for the robins. And, and yeah, but, and, but when you get good healthy soil, the robins will come and pull out the extras yeah. and stuff like that too. So just All know right. if they're in your soil, that's a good thing. Okay, good news. All right. Thanks, Merle. Thanks, Ralph. Take okay, care, yeah, bud. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Those are and the, the more natural things. And uh, we were chatting the other day at the Garden Center. Just I was mentioning, and you guys know I mentioned my mom's garden um, back in the day when we used to grow. It just everything just seemed to grow so good. We didn't have the leaf miners. We didn't have these. We didn't have that. Um, it just we seem to have more issues with our garden. <clears throat> Seems the more we try to do sometimes. So down at Spruce It Up, we do try to keep it simple. Trying to get things back to the little bit more um, easy, easy way to do things without trying to overanalyze. Because uh, sometimes I honestly think the more we do. It, it creates just um, chaos in your garden. You add this, you add that, then you need that to supplement that, and then this is that. So if we get back to some some normal, adding some just some good natural compost to your soil, and then you'll be good to go. And I'm good to go. I got to take a break for the news. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. It's mostly cloudy in minus one in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 9.30. I'm Megan Cobb. A man is in custody following a shooting in an apartment building in the Beltline this morning. No one was injured and police are not looking for any other suspects after the one man was arrested. A confrontation broke out between opposing protests in the Beltline yesterday afternoon. Police say members tried to work with all parties involved to negotiate peaceful demonstrations, but claimed there was a limited cooperation. And a Russian airstrike on a military base in western Ukraine killed 35 people and wounded 134. The attack was about 25 kilometers from the Polish border. A chance of flurries today with a high of 2 degrees, mainly cloudy and minus 2 overnight, clearing tomorrow, climbing to a high of 11. It's minus 1. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update at 10. I'm Megan Cobb. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. If you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open. Um, you can call at 403-974-8255. Um, be happy to take your calls. And I do have Kevin on the line. Good morning, Kevin. Yes, good morning, Merrill. Uh, great show. Thanks for taking my call. How are you doing of today? Of course. Actually doing great, you know, like uh, looking outside and after a nice Saturday, sort of feeling the, the gardening season is coming, the slow slow melt of the snow, so it's not melting super, super fast, so it's it's good. We're heading in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little melting during the day, freeze at night, not too fast. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. That's great. Yeah, my question was uh, in regard to raised gardens. We started some new raised gardens last year. Yep. And uh, the way we prepared, um, we had some topsoil from an uh, older raised garden that we had done some landscaping and <clears throat> moved the topsoil. So <clears throat> we started with, we placed the new, uh, the old topsoil into containers uh, about, 
oh, two feet high. Uh, and then we added some compost, and then we added um, chicken manure. I'm not sure if that's the best manure. But anyways, the problem was we got all was the it hops. Was it in a bag, or was it? it we dug it out from the, uh, just north of Airdrie. There's a chicken farm or something. They okay. give it away in the spring. Yeah, you, you just got to watch how old it is, too. Chicken yeah. manure is really... Um, it can be really ripe, I guess. Yeah, we don't want it too hot. <laughs> Not when it's yeah. smoking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh, I just, I, every time I hear chicken manure, I get a flashback of when I was a young guy working down at Sunnyside. We'd get the, the chicken manure truck would come in and we'd have to unload it because we didn't have forklift back then. They didn't have them on pallets. So you'd unload like thousands of bags of that. Yeah. Oh, those in bags, but this stunk. It was the worst. It smelled the worst than any of the other manures. So, yeah. Anyways, so, anyways, just, and that result was uh, we got all too kinds, much nitrogen. Yeah, yeah. So, the yeah, the tops there from the nitrogen in, in the manure are or whatever yep. was in the soil. Yep. Yeah. And that's why you got just too much too much nitrogen in there, too much tops. So um, what you can do is you can add a, a granule. So you want to just tame those down. So even if you just add like a good, like a garden mix, um, some cocoa moss, stuff like that, that really is sort of neutral in the nitrogen, um, okay. but just adding some organic matter. Um <clears throat> And then you could also, you could just add, like we have a groundskeeper's pride. It's a organic granular fertilizer. You can mix that into the soil. But you more, you more want to tame it down a bit. So I'd, like if you get a couple, like we have those compressed cubes. It's cocoa moss. It's actually um, coconut fiber. Right. And it's compressed. And, and I just like it much better than peat moss because it, it, it takes about three times as long to break down. And plus, we're not ripping up our peat bog, so it's kind of, it's kind of a little bit more. It's a renewable resource. Um, too bad we can grow coconut trees here to use it, but anyways, that's <laughs> right, right, but, yeah, yeah. They don't want the peat moss in the environment to, is a concern. So I've heard, of yeah, the but that moss. the cocoa moss would yeah. work really good because it, it'll neutralize the soil a bit. It'll suck in some <laughs> of that um, nutrients, but it's also going to add. It's going to hold more moisture for you. And it's just it'll be it'll be really good for your soil. So I dig up your soil, get it nice and lumpy, mix in some of that cocoa fiber, and then turn it over a couple more times. And then after that, add a bit of that groundskeeper's pride. Right. And so it's a little nitrogen, bit higher. Yeah. Well, the nitrogen eventually wear down. Uh, oh, absolutely. Or, yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What, what number is that on the the three numbers on the bag? The nitrogen is it's is the first. It's number? a. It's a. Oh. On the groundskeeper's pride, it's three twelve. I, I, I actually I can't remember exactly. I'll have to. I'll get someone to text me a, a picture of it from the store, and uh, I'll I'll mention it on air here. But it's a it's a lower one in the front, higher middle and last number. So I'll, I'll get those sent over to me so I know what they are. Great, great, great. Okay, we'll get some uh, maybe some beets and carrots this year. <laughs> Just uh, well, the, we had the radishes. The top of the radishes are good for salads, I guess. <laughs> but there's nothing yeah. on the bottom. <laughs> yeah, or like you said, we have a good garden mix, like just in the regular loam. Too, and that's when you grow in the outside. You just want too much of the soil that's mixed. Like when you're trying to get the the good carrots and good, because you don't want the soil to heat up too much. So we still want some of our good Canadian, 
that dark loam, which is nice. So right. Well, we can top dress to an extent, but we're already sort of near the top of the the uh, raised bed, and, and then we'd have extra soil. We wouldn't <laughs> would have put on yeah. the driveway for somebody to take away. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. But you'll be amazed at how it, it gets eaten up pretty quickly too. Like it, as you add a bit more, it, it'll go down as well. So. Okay, um, and I'll just leave you one one thing from the last caller about the dewworms. Uh, and it's, I know it's a family show, but uh, the first response to questions about dewworms was always, "Doesn't everyone?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got to say for today. Awesome. All right. Take care, um, man. Have a great Thank show. You. Thanks. Bye bye. <laughs> awesome. All right. And again, if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open. You can give me a shout. Four zero three. And nine seven four eight two five five. Got another text here. This is from Pat. Good morning, Moral. Do you still have hemp mulch available? And what size does it come in? We do have the the hemp, and that's another renewable resource which I would love to see more um, into our soil um, mixtures. Um, it, I, it's a great renewable resource that could replace or help replace. A good portion of the peat moss, like even if they went with a 50-50 or, or some. So we do have uh, the Hemp Sense product, um, and you mix that into your your soil as well. You could do that as well. Um, the previous talk, the guy was chatting with Kevin. You could use that to add into your into your soil as well. Um, I'm not sure the size of the bag. It's it's not a huge bag. It's probably like I think it's 10 liters, something like that. <clears throat> and uh, and uh, it sort of comes in these little pellets, but they break up pretty easy when they start getting wet, and uh, they break up nicely into the soil. But right now I'm going to take a break again. You can call me 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and... You'd like to join me? Phone lines are wide open. You can call me at 403-974-8255. I do have a couple texts that I'm going to go through. And I got one here from from Trina. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, um, hi there. Any idea how to help these trees, how they look now? We are on a pond. I think I've seen the woodpecker once or twice. Yeah, <clears throat> so what you have is it's a thing called uh, a yellow-bellied sapsucker as well. And they get in there and they just poke away at your trees and they can cause a lot of damage. And they open up, especially in aspens, and they seem to really like um, her uh, Trina's aspen trees with uh, with uh, near the pond there. And they just, they just keep poking holes in there. So... Basically, um, there's not a ton you can do because then you start getting that ooze in there. So we can try and treat that like with a fungicide. You could try to use copper spray or Bordeaux on those areas, clean them up. You could seal them with, um, after you spray the, the Bordeaux in there, you could seal those holes up with um, lac balsam. And it's a breathable bark replacement. It comes in a little tube with a little brush on the end. So you could definitely use that because um, it looks like they're all in kind of one area. It just and you want to get to them. Some of the ones that you sent me, um, you can see the pictures or the bark is already starting to peel in behind. So 
we just want to get that hopefully sealed up and covered up as best we can. But sometimes once it starts getting inside like that, and uh, it's it sort of ends the the tree's life because you're just it just starts oozing out of it, and the disease spreads through it. So um, my my thoughts would be to try and tidy that up as quick as you can, um, and try and get to them before that happens. And it's there's nothing you can do. They love birch trees. They love aspens. They like the softer wood so they can get in there and they suck the moisture out when they do that. And they're also digging for bugs in the bark. So like the birch and the aspen have quite a thick crust on their bark. So they, they kind of like that because you get a lot of bugs that hide out in there. So they so they tend to, to do that as well. All right. Here we go. I got a text. Hi, Merle. I have three shrubs. We wrapped in burlap last fall. A glow, a ginger glow nine bark, a sensation barberry, and a dwarf mugo pine. We will be away for the whole month of April. Should we remove the burlap or go? Thanks and love the show. Um, absolutely. I and typically you don't need to wrap those, uh, Catherine. Those most of those shrubs are hardy here. They don't need to be wrapped in burlap. And sometimes you can cause more damage um, than you help prevent when you wrap things in burlap in in Calgary. Um, where 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 it works better is in Ontario or even up in Edmonton. Sometimes when they don't get the Chinooks that we get, but if you have it wrapped in burlap, especially your evergreen, sometimes you can create like an oven in there. It gets too hot for it, and you could end up cooking them inside there, and. So you you don't want to wrap your and and those shrubs that you have wrapped those are super hardy. Um, as long as you water them in really good in the fall, um, water them in good, you'll be totally fine. They don't need to be and uh, and the dwarf mugo pine and you don't want to wrap your evergreens in the winter because that's why we plant the evergreens so we get some color in our garden um, throughout the winter. So I would just uh, end that and sometimes and that's. Part of the problem with the internet and the knowledge and the information that we get, <clears throat> and uh, they show people wrapping their trees, and a lot of that also is in Ontario, where um, they get that really heavy snowfall. So that's why a lot of the stuff is is uh, wrapped. And it was from, I don't know, sort of more ten years ago too, when we were starting to get the the really bad pollution, which. And I've mentioned that before. I think Canada has done such a good job. We don't get the smog and, and things like that like we used to um, 10 years ago. We have a clean and burning cars, houses. Everything burns a lot cleaner. So I think we've done a really good job. It used to, um, at one time, they were used to protect the, the shrubs and, and the evergreens from a bit of that acid rain. We used to hear about the pollution rain. So it just in the heavy smog it would dump down onto the evergreens in Ontario. And uh, where they had it really bad out there, um, then they'd use the burlap a bit more. But in Alberta, I just I don't really recommend wrapping it, especially in Calgary. It just uh, it doesn't. So feel free to take it off now, and uh, you should be good to go. All right. And again, when can I start my dahlias, glads, and sunflowers? All those <clears throat> basically getting into April. You can start them anytime. 
especially the dahlias. You want if you have, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the big dinner plate dahlias. <clears throat> sorry, um, dinner plate dahlias. They'll do really good um, right now, and they'll get nice and large. So that way, by the time you're able to put them out, once you get into the first week in June, and don't plant them any really earlier than that. Uh, May long weekend to last week is dahlias take zero frost. So just really watch the weather and uh, and then go from there. Glads, super hardy. You can start those now. And and you'll get a lot better glad if you start them now as well because a lot of times when people start their glads, they're typically starting them too late. And then they don't tend to pl- um, bloom until late fall. And a lot of times you miss them. So those ones you want blooming midsummer. They love that summer heat. Then they'll do great. And same with sunflowers. Start them a little earlier transplant them a couple times before you put them outside and then you'll get those great big giant sunflowers that uh, look so awesome and uh, so I would uh, all three of those you're good to go at any time and again if you'd like to come on the show give me a call 403-974-8255 I'm going to take a quick break and you're listening to <laughs> Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and phone lines are wide open if you want to join, 403-974-8255. And it is the time change thing, too, so maybe we had some sleepy heads out there a little behind the time. I did uh, feel the same way, sort of look up at the clock, and my one clock doesn't change, and then the phone does, so you kind of, you look, and you say, which one is it? Is it still 6 o'clock, or is it 7 o'clock? So, anyways, it... Uh, it was unfortunate. It was seven o'clock, so had to get up, get going. So it is the time change, but that's the kickoff to spring. So I'm I'm very happy about it, and uh, I like it because it uh, enables you a lot more in the evenings, makes the days feel a little bit longer, feels nice. So yeah, and got a quick text here. Do you carry the Navigator pair, and are they do they do well in Calgary? Yes, they do. Um, they do really good here. Um, they're an ornamental pear, so you don't get the the pear fruit, but you do get the gorgeous pear blooms on there. So another okay, and then I got another text. Um, hi Merle, if I want to plant sunflowers straight into the ground without transplanting, can I plant them in early April? You could, but they really won't do nothing because you got to wait for the um, the ground to warm up, and they really don't take any frost either. So you don't want to get them growing because it would, would definitely get frost in that time. So I would I wouldn't bother planting them outside that early because, like I said, you just tend <clears throat> just tend to if they do come up they'll freeze back and they just wouldn't do that great. Or and they end up being uh, good bird food out there. So we do have a caller on the line. We're going to go to Lorraine. Good morning, Lorraine. Hi there. Hi. How are you? Good, good. How can I help you? Good. I have a question about Saskatoon berries, um, okay. or bushes, actually. We have uh, quite a few on our acreage, and they are nice. older. Um, we we would like to cut them down because we've heard that can be done. Um, the question is, how much of a stump should we be leaving, or can they be done, like, cut right down to the ground? Will 
um, new sprouts come like from roots in the ground, or do we need to have some some of the stuff are, remaining? Are, are they really? Are they just lots of disease in them, or what? What is the? Um, or are they just lots of deadwood, or just why would you want to cut them back? Well, because they're quite tall. <laughs> I can't reach the okay. berries. Okay. Yeah. And I know we, um, we have cut some down, like, to probably about four feet before. Like I said, it's quite a large area, and they're really, like, an old they, – they've been there for many, many years. Yep, um, yep. I just can't reach them when they, you know, get so high and spindly. Yeah, so, so we, yeah, in the, on the smaller ones, some of the smaller brands, you can go in and you might want to thin them out. They're probably not getting – because they should get fruit all the way down to the bottom, too. Okay, no, um, they're not. So they're probably not getting enough sun on the on the sides. Like maybe they're just top, like top heavy. Like maybe they're really wide at the top, not letting the sun hit the lower branches. Yeah, that could be. Okay. Yeah, you can rejuvenate them. You can take them right down to the ground, and then they'll grow. And they'll, but they'll grow really quick. Like when you take those right down, um, like they'll grow four to five feet the first season. Okay. So if you're going to take them down, like right now is a great time to do it. You could take them down any time. Just get make sure you have a good saw, um, yeah. or hire a good pruning company come in and and uh, and they can do that for you. Okay. Um, ensure that you water them really well um, in the early spring, mm-hmm. and then fertilize with a fifteen thirty fifteen. Okay. And then when they're growing, like when you first get that first batch of of growth where it's up to um, like four to five feet, mm-hmm. just take about. Um, 10 inches off the top just to give them a little clip back. Okay. And then that way they'll branch out at that point. And, and then you're not going to get the disease um, if you're trying to do something when the, when the wood gets bigger. Um, Saskatoons don't like to be topped all the time and kept at a certain height. Okay. Because um, they'll tend to get – that opens the pores and, and they open them up for disease. Yeah. But if you do it when the, when the branches are still nice and skinny, mm-hmm. they can heal over properly – and it'll help thicken them up at that point. And then you can kind of thin them out as they grow, keep the tops a little bit narrow and let it go wider, sort of like a pyramid. Yeah, so, okay. And then that way you'll get sun hits the whole side and you'll get a lot more fruit on the lower part as well. Okay. okay. All right? Yeah, that's But all you good. should be good to go. Okay. And, uh, and uh, like I said, they grow. You'll get a ton of energy popping up in that. You'll get a ton of new growth. So, so right down to the ground then? Yep. Okay. Yep, you're good to go. Excellent. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Lorraine. Okay, yep, you're welcome. Bye bye. All right. And I got a cup one more text here that I can do before I go on the break. Good morning. I have a couple raised planters. Can I just buy the vegetable garden dirt and fill them up? Or what should I use? Yes. Um you can use you can use I, I would just use like a good potting. We have an organic veggie mix that you can use. Um I would stay away from the one soil that Costco does have that's called the answer. The only time I'd use that is just amending my soil beds and shrub beds and things. It's it's basically a big bag of bark mulch. It doesn't work very good for growing plants. It more suffocates a lot of things. It's probably the worst soil out there. Um, but there's lots of good soils that you can add in there. Some good organic soilless mixes and you'll be good to go in those raised planters. All right, and I got to go. I got to take a quick break for the news. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. It's mostly cloudy and minus one in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 10 o'clock. I'm Megan Cobb. 
One man is in custody after a shooting in an apartment building in the Beltline. Calgary police say officers were called out to the 100 block of 14th Avenue just after 1 this morning. When they arrived, they narrowed down their search to a pair of units and found several people inside one of those apartments, along with evidence that shots had been fired. Luckily, no one was injured. One man was arrested on outstanding warrants, and police say they are not looking for any other suspects. A confrontation broke out between anti-mandate protesters and those opposing the protest yesterday afternoon. About 2,000 people clogged 17th Avenue when things got a little tense. Police say members tried to work with all parties involved to negotiate peaceful demonstrations, but claimed there was limited cooperation, adding they had to take further action to avoid crowd escalation. In a statement to Global News, police said the demonstrations occurred over several hours and individual photos and short videos don't always portray the complete picture. There's renewed optimism for those looking for steady employment in Alberta. Annie Dormuth is the Alberta Provincial Affairs Director with the Canadian Federation of Independent Business and says with restrictions loosening, businesses are looking for help. Uh, We are hearing more and more from small business owners that they're looking to rehire and uh, slowly creep back up to pre-pandemic staffing levels. But of course, that has come with its own set of challenges for business owners. Job shortages in the hospitality industry predate the pandemic. And according to the CFIB, those challenges have been made worse by repeated closures over the last two years. Patrick Brown has officially joined the race to lead the federal conservatives. Brown launched his campaign in Brampton, Ontario this morning, where he has served as mayor since 2018. He's a former member of parliament who unceremoniously resigned as Ontario's progressive conservative leader in 2018 before being elected as mayor of Brampton a city that is part of the county where conservatives know they need to grow their support if they hope to form government. Brown is the fifth candidate to enter the conservative leadership race, joining Jean Charest, Pierre Polyev, Leslin Lewis, and Roman Baber. Meanwhile, the question being asked is what does the conservative party need to confront when it chooses its third leader in six years on September 10th? Political scientist at Mount Royal University, Dwayne Bratt, says unity will play a big part. Only Stephen Harper seemed to be able to hold that party uh, together. If Aaron O'Toole ran as a blue Tory, well, Pierre Polyev is even more of a blue Tory and a real blue Tory. If Peter McKay ran as a moderate, Jean Charest is a much more moderate with a better track record. Bratt says the party remains demoralized after losing three elections to Justin Trudeau. The United States issued a swift warning today, saying Russia will face a response from NATO should any of its attacks in Ukraine cross borders and hit members of the security alliance, even by accident. Brian Clark has the latest. A day after a Russian diplomat said military aid shipments to Ukraine were legitimate targets, a Russian airstrike on a military training base not far from Ukraine's border with Poland killed at least 35 people. ABC's Ian Panel has more from Kyiv. Russia is encroaching ever closer to NATO territory. We know that the Ukrainian authorities have been trying to encourage more military support. They want, of course, this no-fly zone, which has been ruled out by the Biden administration. But I think as it gets closer, these missiles that were fired so close to the Polish border, I think that's really going to raise concerns in the coming days of the risks of this war widening. 
President Biden authorized an additional package of U.S. military aid to Ukraine worth $200 million. His national security advisor will meet with a Chinese official in Rome Monday. The first talks between those two countries since the invasion. So far in Ukraine, the humanitarian toll grows. More than two and a half million people have fled the country. Brian Clark, ABC News. And a reminder to change your clocks. We sprang forward one hour this morning to daylight time. Taking a look at sports, the Calgary Flames chase their seventh win in nine games when they visit the Colorado Avalanche tonight. Calgary is coming off a 3-0 win last night over the Red Wings as Jacob Markstrom stopped 19 shots for his league lead or league high ninth shutout. And the Toronto Maple Leafs and Buffalo Sabres will be outdoors this afternoon. The two teams meet at Tim Hortons Field in the NHL Heritage Classic. Global News SkyTracker weather, a chance of flurries this morning with a high of 2 degrees. Mainly cloudy and minus 2 overnight, clearing tomorrow with a high of 11. It's minus 1 at 10.05. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update at 10.30. I'm Megan Cobb. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. Phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. And then if you're just wondering what time it is, it is 10.06 as we... Uh, spring ahead and uh, next Sunday will be our first day of spring so look forward to that as we head into those longer warmer days got a quick text here hello had a beautiful amaryllis now what which is true she had or he had two four six eight ten twelve fourteen blooms on this beauty at one time nice red one but now you got nice leaves going on so what you want to do is cut those flower stalks off and then just continue to grow it like a house plant for another month or so, a couple, say two months, eight weeks. Feed it with 15, 30, 15. You want to encourage, you want to get that uh, phosphate built back up in that bulb. And then, so it's kind of perfect time we're heading in. So you got, uh, so end, we're mid-March, so mid-April, so mid-May sort of thing. Just stop watering it then just let it dry right out. And once everything's totally died off, cut off all the foliage, let it dry for a few more days, and then stick it into a, a cool, dark place inside a cardboard box. And you can put a little bit of uh, dry potting soil or dry peat moss or cocoa moss around it. Store it in the coolest, darkest place you have for um, a couple months. Sort of go two or three months until you get uh, sort of mid-May, be June, July, August, even into September, October. And then you can pull it out, and then you can regrow it. Or if you want to wait closer to the the Christmas season, you can do that as well. <clears throat> but yeah, it needs that uh, dark um, time to to climatize itself and then rejuvenate the bulb. But actually, yours is perfect because you had all your blooms. You get lots of leaves now. Like I said, so just cut off those dead flower stalks, um, and then just continue to to treat it like a house plant for. Uh, like I said, a couple more months and feed it sort of weekly or bi-weekly with 15, 30, 15. And that should give you a gorgeous uh, amaryllis next fall, winter. Right now I'm going to go to the phone. I'm going to go to Mark. Good morning, Mark. Oh, good morning. How can I help you? Uh, I've had raspberry bushes for uh, years and they've yielded every, every year. And yep. last spring in April, I uh, pruned them and I, I trimmed them down to about 
two, two and a half feet high, and yeah. I didn't get any uh, raspberries last year for the first time. Yeah, because what you when you do pruning of your raspberries, you don't want to take them down like that all the way, because then you're only because they produce fruit on last year's wood. <clears throat> so when you when you keep when you take it all the way down, you kind of lose that cycle of old wood like that. So what you want to do is when you go out there in the spring, you'll notice that a bunch of the wood is either gray or black or gray or brown. Yeah. You want to remove a lot of the gray stuff. So right now you probably have lots of you probably had lots of new growth, but just no fruit. I'm assuming last summer. Right, right. So will they come back this year, do you think? Yes, yeah, so what you want to do is try to get in there and it's going to be a bit of a task now. So all the ones that you cut off they're probably the dark gray now. So when you go outside, you'll look at them, and all the ones that were cut off at that four-foot level or three or four-foot probably are the gray ones now. So you want to go in and cut all those ones out and then leave the other ones, the new, the ones from last year, because that's where it's going to get your fruit. Does that make sense, mm -hmm. hopefully? Oh, okay. And yeah. And the and then, uh, second question is, uh, I've always heard that ashes, wood ashes, are good for the garden. Are they? I, I don't think it hurts them. Um, again, in moderation, you don't want to put like uh, six or eight inches over the whole garden and, and dump no. it in there. No, but actually, absolutely, a lot of that stuff, um, it, it, it's fine. It's it's funny, my, my father-in-law, Addy, um, he's not with us anymore, but he always believed in even burning old papers and burning things. He always thought it puts it back into the earth. So um, ashes, again, they, they're sort of that, they break up. We add charcoal and things like to our soil, and it's it's usually a good thing, but just a little bit here and there. Like I said, don't, don't just put it, like I said, six, eight inches in one spot and that plant in there. It's not going to do any good like that. So, well, What is in the ashes, actually, that... <clears throat> well, it, it also depends on what type of wood, too, right? Like, um, is what benefits? Yeah, and are you burning it right down so it's just like the powdery dust? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that, most of the nutrients are gone out of that. It's just a good, easy way to get rid of them. Um, sort of more where you get benefits. Um, it just it helps keep the soil a little bit more acidic, and depends on the wood. And if you if you put it in more as a charcoal, um charcoal based thing and you can like we add charcoal to our soils and things but when you're doing that um with just ash it's just more um it's just a good way of getting rid of it there's really not a lot of benefit to it anymore um but it's just a, it's an easy way to get rid of it add it into your soil and like i said it's not really going to do any harm or or good <laughs> to your soil to be honest Okay, so back to those raspberries, and it's not a good idea to uh, prune them? You know, it is. Every spring, when you, go in, you go in and you cut out the last year's wood, you'll see brown or gray wood. You want to remove the two-year-old wood because then it, it, it'll produce fruit on last year's wood. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks a lot, Merle. Yeah, and like I said, more on the ash. It's just like there's no nitrogen in there, so really it's just like adding compost to your soil sort of thing. Like it, it'll help a little bit, but it doesn't really said do a lot, but it's a good way to get rid of it. It adds organic matter, so you'll be good to go. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye.
All right. And they still have a little bit of time. We're going to go to James. Good morning, James. Morning, Merle. How are you? Good, good. How can I help you? Yeah, I got two questions. I live up in the Signal Ridge area, and okay. we have a lot of we have clay soil yeah. below the the soil. Yeah, and I've, I've purchased a couple of your shrubs over the last couple of years, and you know I'm expecting growth of you know maybe a foot a year or whatever, and they seem to be stunted. I'm just wondering if I haven't dug enough of the uh, no, clay what kind of, how deep what, I should what, have. What kind of shrubs? Uh, sorry, I don't know offhand which ones they okay. are, but they said that okay. they, you know it's supposed to grow to nine to twelve feet, but it's you know I put it in okay, years probably, ago and it's still about. Are they nine barks? Maybe no. Are they no? Okay, are they okay? Um, nine to twelve feet. I'm trying, trying to think what shrub. Usually, and how many years ago? Uh two. Okay, yeah, third year. You'll see good growth this year. Typically, okay. your third years when you see it. Um, and ensure that you're doing that slow, deep watering. A lot of times when people water, um, the soil's fine. It's like we all have clay everywhere in Calgary. It's just sort of the way it is. Like there's only so yeah. much loam. Um, the biggest thing is when you do plant them, dig a little bit of a bigger hole than the, the existing thing. But right. it's just the important thing is the, the slow, deep watering and then bark mulch over your in your flower beds if you do have it. Okay. Um, you're up in a you're up in a hotter, drier, a little bit windier up in that area as yeah. well, yeah. Yeah. Um, and in lots of drain off, so the water goes away quickly. So just that slow, deep watering makes all the difference because a lot of people just water a little bit on top. So those yeah. newly planted trees and shrubs that you put in are only used in the top third or top twenty percent of the root ball, and then the other part, eighty percent of the root ball, ends up dying off because it never gets watered down in that spot. So it's just that slow, deep watering is putting a hose on those newly planted shrubs. So it just trickles really slowly down into that right on top of it, sort of like for an hour each shrub, just, but just a slow trickle. And that okay. makes, I'll be honest, makes all the difference. So it's just when I see that happen or those soaker hoses are great. Like if you, if you, if you can put them in that one area, put them around there, it, it's awesome. So Okay. So soil depth is it has nothing to do with it then. No, not really, because he can't. We're not we're not going to put uh, twelve or twenty four inches of black loam, and then once it grows through that, anyways, like all the other trees, we have a little bit of topsoil on top. The clay is actually good; it stabilizes the bushes, holds them oh, in okay. spot. Um, sometimes, if you get too big a hole, they'll just spin around in circles in that soil, and mm -hmm. they and that sometimes hurts more. So a lot of okay. when I dig up soil. I'll I'll mix the clay with the existing soil. Like I'll dig out the hole, and then I'll mix the stuff I pulled out of the hole with the with the new with a little bit of new soil, and then oh, okay. it gets a good little moderation in there. And uh, but okay. but the most important thing is is honestly just the watering, that yeah. slow deep watering, and get those roots established nice and deep, and so that way it's not struggling because they come from the nursery, they have nice big growth on top, so it yeah. takes a lot to sustain that. And when we water at the nursery or when they're growing, we use the whole um, root ball. We were watering thoroughly. But then yeah. when you put them in the ground, a lot of that gets forgotten because the, the, the soil works like a wick as well. It sucks moisture out of that root ball. So you yeah. got to make sure you're getting water down deep. So if it's a two-gallon pot, you got to water 18 inches down. So that slow trickle on top of each um, shrub 
And it's sort of a day job, too. If you plant to 10 shrubs, it's sort of you move it around every hour. You know what I mean? It's a bit of a <laughs> yep, pain. Yep, yep. But we're a soak rose. But it, it, it does make such a big difference. Or if you're planting trees, those water bags work phenomenal. Like put, fill one of those once or twice a week, and this that water slow drips right into it. It's awesome. Okay. Perfect. All right, All right. I'll do that. My second question was, I've got raised beds, and yeah. what's the best garden soil to use you know, from you know, your bulk? Well, raised beds, the, like the big yellow bag is a really good one. They have a different mixture of them. Um, it depends how big they're, and these are connect, these are on top of the ground? Yeah, yeah, they're about a foot and a half up. Yeah. So um, we have a good garden mix. Depends how big you can get it in bulk, and it's a mix between soil, compost, and a few other nutrients. Um, like I said, the big yellow bag has three or four different mixes that you can use. I find if it's on the ground, you you want to have a good garden soil, like a regular soil, rather yeah. than a soilless mix out of a bag. Um, we use some of those for some of the raised beds, like if you're growing um, some veggies and stuff in a, in a total raised bed. Yeah. And, but it's also those work really good. Like we have a organic um, veggie soilless mix. If you mix that in with the existing soil, that usually creates a really nice mix as well. So if you had some good black loam, and then add some of that soilless mix, the organic um, black gold or whatever we have, um, mix that in there with it, and that creates a really nice soil. Okay. Perfect. Alrighty. Alrighty. Thank you, sir. All right. All right. Take care. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And I should probably take a quick break. If you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Roel Coombs. And got a couple texts here I'm going to read off. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. And uh, it is 1022. If you're wondering, it is the spring ahead. So if you're just waking up thinking it's 930, well, it's already 1030 almost. So, And also a couple other things. I guess ashes do... Um, they can make your, they can add a little bit of acidity to your soil, things like that. It's, it's, it's hard on some of these products like, um, wood ash, cause you really don't, they're not measured or, or tested. So some of it's hard to know what you have in them and the softer woods, like the poplars and the spruce and things that have a, have less nutrients in them compared to if you're burning, uh, maple wood or things like that. So anyways. I'm going to go to the text line, and I got a couple more texts here. It says, "Good morning. Would pure spray green horticultural oil work like dormant oil and spray on my fruit and berry bushes before they come out of dormancy?" Um, no, not really. Um, but it, it would be very beneficial because it it'll work. It stays on there, and it actually works better because some of the dormant oil, if you're not if you don't spray it right at the right time, sometimes you can suffocate your 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 plants with the dormant oil so make sure if you are using dormant oil follow the directions really well but the pure spray green if you're spraying it for scale or certain things or or the powdery mildew um the pure spray green works great 
and I agree. Just when they're just starting to, just when your buds are swelling, sort of that early May, um, and uh, absolutely perfect time to to give your trees a good shot of the pure spray green, and that would be perfect, uh, and that would be very good for that. Also, I got one more. Good morning, Merle. What do I use on our fruit bushes? Um, after overwintering bugs, would this warm stretch be a good time to tend to them? No, the bugs are still, I think it's a little bit early for them to be coming out. Again, um, and this was the same text, that's where the pure spray green will definitely help you out. And I'm going to go to the phone lines, and actually I didn't get their name. And good morning, how can I help you? This is Elaine. Hi, Elaine. How can Hi. I help you? Well, I have um, <clears throat> bush roses and um, ones that are, you know, suitable to our climate. Yeah, so the hardy shrub my, roses. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, so this would be their fourth year, and, and they've grown well, they bloom well. But aphids destroy every crop on some more than others, and to the point where I'm just tired of battling with that all summer. I think okay. I'll just um, get rid of them. Okay, a product that works really good if you do want to try one more season is the yeah. Pure Spray Green. And it's really beneficial for roses. Commercial rose growers have used Pure Spray Green for 30, 40 years. Because <clears throat> it, it really works well against the powdery mildew and also against aphids. So if you get on a regular cycle, and aphids, when you do get them, need to be sprayed every five days because they come yeah. in cycles. They're born pregnant and they just keep coming. So... What what you need to do if you kind of get your um, after the, when that new growth comes out and you, and that's sort of when the aphids lights come just give them a bit of a preventative spray and then you could also it's going to also work against the powdery mildew and mm -hmm. so if you just sort of get on a weekly spray program it, it's going to really benefit um, your roses as well. Can and, you spell and, the name of the product for me? Yeah, it's called Pure. So P-U-R-E, spray, S-P-R-A-Y, and then green, just G-R-E. Oh, I see, and, I see. Yeah, pure spray green. It's a pharmaceutical-grade mineral oil, and it's actually <laughs> made by Suncor with Petrocanada here in, in Alberta. So it, it's a great product, and it's uh, it works really well against a couple of those problems that your roses will have. So, well, And then when yeah. you're, and your rose is coming up this spring – don't prune anything back until you start seeing the good growth coming up. Okay. And then you'll see the new growth. And then at that time, prune out the deadwood, even them up at that time, remove any of the crisscrossing branches, and yeah. then let it, then it'll just flush from that point on. Okay. Well, I'll give it one more year. <laughs> yeah. I don't, you'd hate to get rid of them because the roses are just beautiful. If you can get them going good they and uh, get, get out of that uh, nasty aphid cycle. You'll just, you, you should be nice and happy. So I'd love to see those work for you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much, Elaine. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. All right. And I got a couple more texts I'll read before the break. And if you'd like to join me after the break, in the last half hour, 403-974-8255. Open to take your calls. And I can also use wood ashes to bathe your chickens. So... The 100 people that uh, get their chicken license here in Calgary, um, you can use the ashes to uh, 
bathe your chickens in. So there you go. <laughs> All right. Good morning, Merle. I'm wondering if the well water is okay to water with. I'm in Drumheller area. Water is higher than iron. It's not great and really should get them tested because I know it's going to be different in quite a few areas. If it's really high and you get that white iron and the magnesium, it's it's not great. So if you can try and treat it or collect some rainwater, um, it definitely makes a big difference. Um, and maybe water every other th every third time with that. But the best thing to do is uh, is is get it tested, and maybe see if you can get a, a treatment thing onto your house so you can get some good water, because that is it is tough on the plants if you add all that uh, that mineral content to there. So, anyways, I got to take a break for the news. You're listening to uh, Let's Talk Gardening on seven seventy CHQR. It's mostly cloudy and zero in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 1030. I'm Megan Cobb. A confrontation broke out between anti-mandate protesters and those opposing the protest yesterday afternoon. Police say members tried to work with all parties involved to negotiate peaceful demonstrations, but claim there was limited cooperation. Patrick Brown has officially joined the race to lead the federal conservatives. Brown launched his campaign in Brampton, Ontario this morning, where he has served as mayor since 2018. And the United States issued a swift warning today saying Russia will face a response from NATO should any of its attacks in Ukraine cross borders and hit members of the Security Alliance, even by accident. Russian airstrikes targeted a military base 25 kilometers from the Polish border earlier today. A chance of flurries with a high of 2 degrees today, mainly cloudy and minus 2 overnight, clearing tomorrow, climbing to a high of 11. It's zero. Breaking news when it happens. Our next update at 11. I'm Megan Cobb. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's year-round full-service garden center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered and uh, never been this excited for a bit for the season coming up. Uh, Luke and Conrad and that have the landscaping. They got uh, lots of projects built up, booked up, ready to go for spring. Um, got a good crew lined up for, for the season. And then Mark and Prune It Up guys are going good. And Chris is uh, starting our Green It Up up again. So, And then, of course, the store. So we're, we're hitting with all cylinders going. So excited about that. Everyone gets excited this time of year. You kind of get pumped up for the uh, spring season and away we go and uh, won't be long. So let's uh, hope that this weather keeps warm up. A little nicer, slow warm up like this is perfect. It's a, it's good for everything to slow melt. Um, and we don't waste any of that good water. But right now I'm going to go to Jack. Good morning, Jack. Good morning. I've got a notice from the city about cutting the spruce in the alley. How much can I hack off? Maybe three, <clears> four feet. Is it what's? Is it the height of it, or is it the? Is it going over the fence or something? Oh or? yeah, it's going over the fence. Okay, and that's their main issue with it, right? And they um, uh, said about fifteen feet high. They want to cut off the ground so the uh, the uh, truck can get by the. Uh, oh, the garbage guys and stuff. Right. Yeah, well, you you you'll just you you can take it up that high, um, and it's just hard because then you'll just have to 
prune it just sort of have to cut it straight along the fence line and uh, and it's going to be a job you'll probably have to do every three or four years as it grows out again it's going to be a slow like it's not like a poplar or somewhere it's going to shoot back out there instantly but when right. you do prune it at that point it's going to look really bare on the one side though um because depends how far it must be hanging over at least four or five feet or i'm assuming yeah in that range yeah so when you cut it back there's gonna be no needles on that side because it's just gonna be bare bare branches right right yeah so it's not gonna look great so i guess achieve that if they've given you the notice if not they're gonna send their pruning crew and send you an exorbitant uh fee to do that so so about uh, three three four feet's okay yeah, no, if you have to, you have to go to the fence line, right? So it, right. it is what it is. So if it's, if, it's, uh, if it's planted in the wrong spot and if it's growing over like that, yeah, you have to take back to the fence line. Like I said, otherwise they'll just send in the pruning crew and then they'll attack on a bill and send it to you. So you're better off to do that. Okay, so that shouldn't hurt yeah, just too much. Yeah, so like I said, if it's hanging over three or four feet over the fence, cut. Just cut right back to the fence area. And, and how close uh, and to cut. the tree? Well, I, I guess it depends how many needles are left. Like Without seeing it, it's hard to tell. Um, so you might want to take it right back to the trunk, and that might even be better for the tree if you just remove all those branches up to the height that they require um, because you're really going to have no needles or anything on there anyways. You're just going to have a bunch of dead stumps sticking out. Right. Because the needles are only on the end. Another thing to do is if you want to give our guys that prune it up a call, Mark can come by and give you a quick quote and, uh, and give you how, the best uh, advice. How, how long does, how far backed up are they? Um, they're not too bad. I think a couple of weeks. And, uh, and if it's a bit of a, if it's a bit more of an emergency, if you tell them there's a time frame, um, yeah, you could probably. 28th, 28th of March is what they're giving us. Yeah, he could probably squeeze you in. If you just tell him that, he'll definitely fix up something for you. Okay, thank right. you very much. All right, good luck. Thanks. Bye bye. Right. And that's and I've talked about that in the past too about really planting trees in the right spot to begin with, um, allowing them to grow, let them do their things, because um, there's nothing worse than you see a spruce tree up against a house or or certain things, and you'll see that sometimes in new neighborhoods when they plant up a show home because they want to make it look nice and full. But it ends up being, uh, as it grows, it's obviously going to be in the wrong spot. So right now I'm going to go to Ben. Good morning, Ben. Hey, good morning. Um, How can I, I help you? To, I want to talk about my lawn there. Um, okay. I, I've been struggling to you know, keep a nice, lush, <laughs> fertile lawn. And I've, I feel like I've done almost everything. So I've got a, an irrigation system in there. Um, I've, I've tested it. Uh, for water coverage and all that sort of stuff. Every year, you know, I aerate it, I fertilize the lawn, um, I follow the, you know, the, the instructions, <laughs> the commercial instructions. What type of, what type of fertilizer are you using? Uh, Scott, just a normal Scott stuff. Now, yeah. I've, I've kind of abandoned that stuff and I've, I've bought your guys' stuff. Okay. I'm spruce it up and I'm going to use it this, um, Okay, you, you're going to see a big difference. I, I would love to see what you had last year and then this year, because if you had before and after, because you have a prime example, you're going to see a huge difference. Because um, the problem with the Scots, and it's good for areas like in Toronto and Vancouver, 
where they don't need phosphate in their soil and their their soil is a lot more fertile like it's lighter they don't have that heavy clay like we get yeah. um so what the green it up fertilizer is it has that high middle number which if you look at your old scott's bag it's 3204 and ours is 16326 so that high middle yeah. number pushes those roots down into that heavy clay soil and and it'll just make it nice and green it'll thicken it right up and and you're, it's going to be a lot less it's going to be a lot more drought resistant because typically with the scots on your lawn when it when we get into those hot summer days it dries up right away you have to water a lot more because it's there's lots of growth on top but there's nothing there's no roots to sustain it cuz they they don't feed the roots anything it's all nitrogen even in the summertime, like I find I'm, I'm watering every single day just to yeah. see, right, as, as experiments. And it's just, it's, it's brown. There's a little bit of green, but it's just yeah. tons of It's just because there's no, yeah. There's so, so what I would do this spring, I would maybe, I wouldn't worry about that aerating. You've done lots of that. I'd just give it a really good power rake at that point. Put on the yep. greened up lawn fertilizer in the spring. And if it's the first year, you might. Just follow direction. Go make sure you get really good coverage because you want to ensure. Sound like you're in a little bit of rougher spot, so we want to ensure that we get some good phosphate into that soil, and then and then you'll see it'll start greening up right away. And at that point, is your is your soil is the grass really hard, or is it? It not is too really bad? hard. Yeah, which is I, I find I need to do the aerating every single year. Yeah. So what I'm going to say is, you probably won't have to though. This will. This no, will thicken okay. up your root system. It'll get down there deep. So, but you might want to add a little bit of top dressing. Like when it starts getting green, you want, might want to add a bit of loam on top just to okay. add a little bit of top dressing. And then the, sure. the grass will just eat that up like crazy. And and you'll be amazed. Like And then just follow those the cycle, three applications of the Green It Up Lawn Fertilizer, and uh, you'll have – phenomenal lawn and you'll water half as much as you did last year because you find that nice... putting that loam on the lawn you know maybe like a half inch or quarter inch is that something that uh, a guy should be doing every single year it doesn't hurt absolutely okay. and i always it always amazed me like he said but make sure you power rate first fertilize yeah. let it get growing a little bit before you put it on because sometimes it can suffocate things a bit too much i like to let okay. the grass get a little bit actively growing and then put it on rake it in like I said, within a week to two weeks, that soil's gone, and the soil and your grass is just eating that up like crazy. So. And quick question. I mean, the one thing I was thinking about doing, but I have a, a landscaping friend who thought I was crazy, but I thought about uh, checking the pH levels uh, in there um, and then maybe. Yeah, you, you can, but I, I probably I probably wouldn't worry too much about that. You're not going to have a, a big difference. If it's regular garden loam from here, um, I think – it, it it doesn't hurt unless you've added something totally different to it. <clears throat> and if you're watering with regular city water, it's going to be balanced out. Um, and where we want it to do, and when you get on a good fertilizer program, we'll get it up to that uh, six to seven level is where you want it to be. Okay, I'll give that a shot. All right, let me know how that Thanks goes. I'm always curious. I want to I want to see your nice green grass. So, all right. Yeah, you owe me a call. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Well, Ben's going to have nice green grass next year, so we're looking forward to see him on the on the Green It Up program as well. And uh, and I'm going to take a quick break. If you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. 
You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs, and I'm going to go to the phone lines, and I got Irene on there. Good morning, Irene. Good morning, Merle. Thank you so much for taking my call. Of course. Um, I have a bit of an issue with a key lime plant and a tiny bit of an issue with my lemon plant. I purchased them at, at Spruce It Up last year, and they're absolutely gorgeous. The, uh, uh, the flowers were amazing, and I had a whole bunch of uh, um, little uh, lemons on, on a lemon plant. Yep. The lime, not so much. So, you know, that was the, the, the lemon plant seems fine, except I've got this, these two huge lemons on it. I'm not quite sure when they mature. Do you do you have to leave them on the. They say to leave them on the vine to ripen it. It does take a while. Like it took, I think it was four to six months. It took mine to ripen totally. Okay. Okay. So because yeah, they're like, still really green and they're about the size yeah. of an orange. Yeah. Okay. So, so just, just continually those. Yeah, because okay. we don't have the warm air like like in like in Florida. So it's going to take a little bit longer, okay. unfortunately. It's been more like about 10 months. <laughs> yeah, so it does my, take a while, my, but they'll they'll turn a gorgeous yellow on there, and they look great when they're on the vine. Because I, yeah. but I, same thing. I thought, God, it, it's taking forever. It's taking forever, and right. and it's just. So I read up on a bit more, and they say, like in the house, they recommend the to to let them vine ripen. And okay. but I'll be honest, it's a it is a really good lemon. Like when you get a a good homegrown lemon like that, it's just super juicy. Like sometimes you know when you get some of the citrus fruits from the grocery store, you cut them open and there's nothing in them. Like there's just like right. fiber. There's no juice in there at all. Right. Like, but right. Yeah, these ones you'll find just full of full of juice. So worth the okay. wait. But yeah, it is a little bit. Uh, it's a little. You have to have a little okay. bit of patience with okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Now, my major concern is the key lime, but I want to ask you one other question about the, the lemon plant. The lemon plant. Some of the leaves are kind of turning brown. Um, are you? Do you have any thoughts on what that is? Is that in the I, center I or in the outside? Oh, good question. Let me just take one um, on the center. I think it's a little both, but let me just grab one. Not a okay. whole bunch of leaves that way, but they're okay. Typically, okay, if they start, if they're going brown, they're um, something they shed. They do go through a shedding process. They do get rid of some okay. of their old leaves, and if you it's maybe run it a little bit dry. Okay, because you know my, um, I think that might be part of the problem because uh, my husband's only been giving it like a, maybe a cup of water every maybe every day, and he said it just you know it's like two fingers down. Yeah. Um, so, so instead of watering like that, I would try to water more thoroughly like take it if you're able to move it into the sink or if you have a good saucer underneath it where you can okay, water it yeah. a little bit more all the way through because when you're same thing i talk about when we water trees outside if you're just yeah. putting a cup in the top you're only using 10 20 percent of that root system so okay. um so you gotta water all the way through get the whole root ball wet and then okay. it's able to especially when they start producing fruit and things like that. So when you're seeing that brown, that's just telling me that there's not enough water, like half the root ball is probably dying off. So okay. you might even want to just give it a really good watering and then maybe hit it with uh, Rage Plus. Just try to rebuild okay. some of that tissue into the okay. tree and just get it nice and healthy again. 
Okay, so then the key lime plant, so he, I know he was watering that one similarly, and it's it's lost about 80% of its leaves. They just kind of fall yeah. off. Cause yeah, same. It's, yeah, just running a bit too dry because if, if you pop that out of the pot, you'll probably see the bottom half of the, the root ball is probably like bone dry. Okay. And it's just because you're not – so same thing. Take it into the sink if you can. Yeah. Um, or or get a larger saucer where you're able to water all the way through so it comes out the bottom a little bit and okay. then give it a good water and then hit it with some Rage Plus. Okay, okay. I will definitely – because we he has been giving it 30-10-10, both of them. Yep, and that's perfect. And, um, okay. But maybe just hold off for a bit. Let's just reestablish the root system and okay. just get it a little bit healthy again and and go from there. Um, so, stock, stock, so stock the 30-10-10. 30 yeah. Just do, give it a few shots of Rage Plus, like okay. sort of this week and again in a week and again another week. And let's just get it reestablished. And that's what Root Rage Plus does. It gets in there, rebuilds the okay. tissue, rebuilds the mycorrhiza in the soil, gets the plant nice and healthy. And that way okay. it's able to absorb uh, a lot of the nutrients again. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. That's very, You're very welcome. helpful. Because as I say, that when I brought that uh, plant home from the store and when I had it on the deck all summer, it was absolutely fabulous, and I'm quite yeah. disappointed that, uh, you know, uh, we haven't been able to take care of it as and well you, as we like. So, pardon? You, you t are you going to put them outside again this summer? I'm hoping to, yes. Yeah, same. Mine's finally looking at, like I would mentioned mine at Christmas there, had no leaves on it at all. And now it's mm. full of leaves, hasn't bloomed, but just – and I'm kind of glad I went and did that because I had a whole bunch of the old – yellow like the old lemon leaves on it were kind of old and crusty it was kind of it seemed to be stunted a bit so when i mm. let it dry right out and i didn't do it on purpose but i did let it dry out mm. it lost all its leaves and then it kind of rejuvenated so now i got lots of fresh new leaves and it just this looks way happier so it kind of okay. went through that cycle same with our our deciduous trees outside right they they drop their leaves and a lot of the lemons will do that down south too. They'll go through a bit of a, a, a period. Sometimes will they'll drop a bunch of leaves and then rejuvenate themselves. Okay. Now, All right. with the with the Rage Plus, um, you know, any formula for percentage of of the no, the I think just follow the regular directions. Um, okay. I think it's thirty mils per liter, something like that. But just ensure you okay. water the plant yeah. thoroughly first, and then fertilize yeah. with the uh, with the Rage Plus. Okay, thank you ever so much. You have a wonderful Ours. day. You too. Hey, thanks, Irene. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, and I'm going to take the last break of the day. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs. I'm going to go right to the phone line. I've got a couple callers. We're going to go to Matt. Good morning, Matt. Uh, yes, I have a 50-year-old, or I had a 50-year-old mock orange. And a yep. year ago, you said I should cut it back right down to the ground, and I did that. And yep. last year, I got about uh, a lot of new growth, and it's about three feet tall. Is there anything I yep. should be doing to the new uh, doing to the new growth? No, right now, because then you're going to get blooms probably this year. You probably didn't get many blooms last year, correct? Nothing, zero. Yeah, okay, that's normal because they'll okay. bloom on this year's wood. So okay. what I would do is just I would feed it because it's going to yep. be. Like, cause uh, I'd feed it with a fifteen thirty fifteen, 50, um, water 30, really. 15. Yep, you want a high middle number, and then you want to you want to start watering that as soon as you like mid April, like when everything's thawed and the ground starts yep. going. 
ensure that you give that a couple of good slow deep waterings put a soak rose around that because sure. that mock orange like they're huge like, and they get a yeah. lot of uh foliage so you want to yeah. ensure that it has enough moisture to fill up all those buds right give you that yeah and when they bloom they're so gorgeous and you get that nice fragrant they're yeah, one they of the smell few, like perfume yeah they're one of the few fragrant plants still out there like as far because a lot of the blooming things they've hybrid a lot of the the fragrance out of them but that's Mm -hmm. one thing about the mock orange that pure white fragrance almost like a gardenia so yeah yeah enjoy that so hopefully you get some blooms this year i'm glad that worked out so the fertilizer is 50 30 15 15 30 15 oh 15 okay okay thank you all right take care hope that works out thanks thank you yeah awesome and that's something that you do, like in Matt's talking about a rejuvenation, which I recommend to a lot of people. If you have a big old shrub, you have lots of deadwood in it, it's good just to get in there, take it right down to the ground. It'll grow back up from the bottom, and you'll get like usually three or four feet of growth. And and then the following year, like with his mock orange, it's going to bloom on the old wood. So he's going to get nice white blooms this year. Should look awesome. All right, one more color here. I'm going to go to Stan. Good morning, Stan. Good morning, Merle. Um, I, my daughter gave us um, a Hella Boris X Balladira. Yeah. And uh, is that suitable for outside here? Um, they're marginal, Stan. Um, and in your yard, you you have a couple of nice sheltered spots. Mm-hmm. I can couple those corners where it's still getting some good sun. Um, they're yes. good. The, the, what happens with those, Stan, is they, they're an early spring plant. So mm-hmm. they pop up too early a lot of times for our area. So they come up and then they get knocked back with the cold. Mm-hmm. So that's typically what kills those ones off. So, But that is uh, a variety that you could try. And I, this is Stan Carver, right? I believe. Yes, it is. Yeah, I thought I recognized your voice. <laughs> um, so I would stick it into the corner. And uh, it's one of your spots in your yard where it's still getting nice warmth there. And uh, it, it should a good chance, and just make sure you mulch it over um, in the in the fall, so that way when you do go through the winter, it stays nice and frozen. Okay. Yeah. Because it's how's all? Sorry, go ahead. It's it's breaking out in, and the flowers are starting now. They look like little roses coming out. Yeah, um, they're they're gorgeous, and and it's just. Yeah, and that's what I mean. That's the problem. Like they, we, they're more of a, they're a great Vancouver plant because they're one yeah. of the first plants that come out. Um, but there is a couple of the varieties, and if you can keep them dormant long enough, and that's like rhododendrons and a lot of those azaleas mm-hmm. and and things like they can grow here. They just don't do very well. It's just because they're such an early spring plant, okay. and a lot of this comes up too early for us. So we so, can pot it and bring it in, I suppose. For the winter. Yeah, or just yeah, keep it as a house plant. Just don't get it really hot. Like okay. keep it out of the out of the window um where it's gonna get real, real hot. Nice and bright, mm-hmm. but not too hot until spring. Plant it out in uh mid May. You should be able to put that outside mm-hmm. and uh and then see what it does. Okay. How's uh-huh. all your orchids and everything? Well, they're they're uh, barely surviving. I've been very lazy this last couple of years. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Okay. Thanks. Good to hear Thanks, from Mom. you, Stan. I got to go. Yeah. Talk to you down the road. Bye-bye. Take care. Take care. And uh, thanks, for everybody, for listening. Um, daylight savings time today, so don't forget that the spring ahead. And we'll get our garden on right here next week on 770 CHQR.